Lubbock. The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on 101.1. The Beard, starring News Channel 11's Pete Christie. Inside the Red Raiders publisher, Jarrett Johnson. The Beard sports director, Sean Dillon. And host of the Rockin' Pre-Game, Jeff Scott. All right, welcome to the Rockin' Pre-Game. We are at Buffalo Wild Wings, the uh, location on West 82nd near Marshall Freeway here. That's where you find us today. We're uh, touring the Buffalo Wild Wings all through the year. We'll just be rotating, uh, you know, in order through. Last week we were out there on 19th. This week, the one uh, near Wolford. So come out, have some lunch with us, hang out, and uh, let's uh, let's talk some Texas Tech sports. Man, there's a lot of great stuff to talk about today for sure. This is like one of the best times overall ever in a long yeah be ever. <laughs> I mean, really, it may be ever. I don't know, but it's definitely in a, in a long time for sure. But Coming up today on the Rock and Pre-Game, we've got recruiting news as usual. Big this week on the Rock and Pre-Game with potential for the Red Raiders. Austin Massey and Michael Hunter uh, will be on the show bringing us the Rock and 25 College Basketball Poll. We've got Rock and Research with Wyatt Thompson. He's the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Tech's basketball opponent tomorrow. And then uh, also we'll talk some Lady Raider and Red Raider basketball. Track opens at the Corky Classic. And uh, we'll have the full court press wrap up the show with that later on. But first, it is time to get the temperature of the Red Raiders. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Free Game. Let's get going with the Rockin' Reality Jack. Taking the temperature. Hopefully no one's running a fever or something. We'd have to be quarantined and cancel the show. But isn't that the way it works these days? Cancel the show or something? Yeah. Um, How many of us have to be out for us to cancel the show? That's a... That's, that, that's true, yeah. Three? I think, yeah, we, we need to do the show with one. Right, we? yeah, we could. That's true. You know, we could if we really had to. Yeah. So if we all if we all are running a fever, then I guess, yeah, we would have to cancel at that point. But, um, but you know, the rules of that are ever-changing, so who knows? We might, we could do it with zero, possibly. I, I don't know. We've never, we've never tried that. Boy, what a savings for the company if they could figure out we could do the show with none of us. That would be, uh, that'd be pretty incredible. That's every corporate entity's uh, dream come true. I think that's called do business a, with no one. A best of. The is that, is that what that is? Best right. of yeah. yeah, y'all better give me some COVID pay. Yeah, yeah that's... Yeah, just, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, but, yes, that's uh, every uh, corporate entity's uh, wet dream right there would be to uh, not have to pay anybody to do anything. Uh, how about that? All right, um, so let's do the rock and roll. <laughs> can you say that on radio? I don't know if you can. Anyway, um, you rock just and did. Check. Yeah, so. just did. So, um, Pete, what do, you, what do you think of today? Man, I think the temperature's hot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, huh. uh, obviously, when, when the men beat Baylor, uh, you know, the, the city went euphoric. And then last night, you, you, you know, you saw them win by 21. Uh, I wish they won by more, but, uh, you know, they got it done. There was no letdown. And uh, I also learned this week that uh, there are a lot of fans who don't know college basketball oh. in the sense of wow. no, no, nothing about the game, but in the sense of they beat Baylor and I got all these texts and calls. What in the world? Why are they still 19th ranked? They beat number oh, one. Gosh. You don't know that the polls come out on Monday right. and even last night. What are, what are they now? They're still 19. They don't it, do a daily. It part. irks me. That irked me. But yeah, but what what time and what channel? Is, is, is the game <laughs> that on? hurts me too. What's ESPN Plus? But you would think in this day and age, with the the speed of information, yes. that there would be a daily poll. Well, we have someone. That, I, you know, I, I hate to do. I, I love Red Raider Nation. I hate to do this, but I can't help it. Uh, we have a game thread, you know, during the game on inside the Red Raiders, 
And there's an old boy on there who he's online and he'll ask us for a score update. <laughs> <laughs> and like other fans are like, man, you're online. Just Google Texas Tech basketball. Like you don't have to ask us, you know. <laughs> that cracks me up. But the wins the wins have been big for basketball. But for yeah. someone who runs the Rocket Twenty Five and has to coordinate oh, votes, lot, lot does. that right that right there. I mean, our vote was after Wednesday's games, so to record on Thursday. <laughs> To make sure that right, I get happen. it, but I'm just saying with the speed of information, the day and age we live in, you think there'd be a way to do it, a, a daily poll. I mean, you really would. I mean, you know, you, we can whine about the Rockin' 25 and how difficult it They're is. Lazy, Jeff. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. You would think there would be a way to have a daily poll. I mean, with technology the way it is, you know, guys just pop in their their. You, know, you would think there'd be a site just to that, you know? Right, but you don't know, do a daily poll. That. I can't wait to see how many others are receiving votes. Oh, that's that's all that matters. But, but no, think about this though. If you had some way where. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dying over here. I'm dying. You're calling I'm Sean's not. baby ugly. I'm not. No, I'm not. But but think about that. Doesn't it seem like though? In I mean, really. That there would be some way that people that vote in these polls would be able to instantly, you know, each night go in and just, you know, mo- make their changes, and then it would automatically calculate, and you'd have like a running, well, a running poll at all times. Yeah, the AP you know? poll is antiquated, anyways. You have guys on there who obviously don't watch college basketball right. voting on these polls. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of kind of the guys who Pete was mentioning. Same, don't same guys that vote in the it's baseball crazy. hall of fame. Exactly. You know, so, I mean, really. Uh, but you know, like Haslametrics, for example, like we have Eric Haslam on and Michael Hunter. We're gonna have on later. Like they run sites that do daily. You know, nightly up. I don't know how they do it. Well, do they have side like day jobs? I don't know how they he's have a, the time to do all that. But he's uh, an electrical engineer. Well, there you go. So, yeah. uh, you know, but they do. That's yeah. kind of where the analytics comes in. It's not an official poll, yeah. but it's, it's but, it's but it is daily. It's, yeah. kind of, it's almost real time. It is. Yeah, and that's what I say. It'd be interesting to see. You know, a, an actual top twenty-five poll that was doing that in real time. A, a team wins. They they move up. Then their team wins, and then this team moves down. I mean, that, that'd be kind of cool. I'm sorry I mentioned that because that took us off on a tangent, but that's still. It was a good tangent, well, though, I hope Pete. So. It was a very good so, tangent. So you know, I'm excited about Joey McGuire. I'm excited about basketball. I'm real happy for Mark Adams, and I see that uh, Texas Tech is the only team to beat an AP top five team seven years in a row now. And so that's yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, so, it is. And then of course. Uh, you know, baseball's getting started up. And then, I got to tell you, just being here at Buffalo Wild Wings, this is where I met Lorelai for Whoa, the first time. Really? My girlfriend. Yeah, well, she, you know, she came to town. To, she was in town uh, doing work because she didn't live here. And she was staying at a hotel right around the corner here in Wolfers. So I picked her up and we came here. So, uh, Good memories. It's like a modern romance story. Well, Pete. maybe so. Romance so. for the new age. That uh, sounds like really a commercial. It's funny because I thought we were just going to be friends. So the only thing I remember about that night were the wings were good. <laughs> Man, Pete Christie doesn't get friend zoned. Come on now. She didn't live in town. I was going to do too. that. And then it's, you know. A God thing. It, she ended up moving to Lubbock, and then and, and here we are. So Pete Christie doesn't I, get friend zoned. He gets end zoned. Oh, thank you. I don't know what that means exactly. Well, I hope you're talking about the football. That's show. what I was talking about, but it sounds kind of weird when I say it out loud. Man, the blush, but you just do. On your face, and standing between, sitting between. Yeah, you know the end zone on Friday nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hope show. so. So, so like, what I was talking about. Is what you're saying? Well, hey, listen. You know what? That's. Uh, 
That's none of my business there. Well, I, I know Lorelai's listening, so she's uh, been in Montana. She's coming home this week, so I look forward to seeing her. Montana, what a great duel. What a, what a beautiful place. Too, yeah, I've man. been out there yeah. during the winter, but I, I'm not that big a snow guy. But really? it was fun. We Aren't you from Baltimore? No. I'm Maryland? From, I'm in, but Syracuse. I also went, no, I, I went to school in Syracuse. Yeah. I had to go to class. It was 12 inches of snow. Ooh. Did you go in a covered wagon? Did you have to? <laughs> no, I didn't really have tough, to walk or anything. <laughs> I had a car and stuff. I mean, it was up <laughs> both ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, rock and reality check continues. Uh, yeah, how, do I, you... how do I follow that? I, let's see. Uh, I met my girlfriend. Uh, that's that's hard to. That's hard uh, to good luck right to you. Here. Yeah. I don't, What's no. the temperature? Come on. Tell yeah, me. I think it's hard. I mean, you got to start with basketball. I mean, yes. I mean, you have to say right now they look better than anybody in the country. I mean, them in Auburn, I guess. You know, I mean, <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, you beat Kansas. Like you didn't even mention Kansas, but since we've done the you're show, right, they beat Kansas. Right. You know, which and is no rare. Terrence Shannon and all these no games, Terrence which Shannon, is unbelievable. No McCuller, and, and right. I just can't. How did they right. do that? And and yeah. they they controlled the game. It wasn't close. It wasn't like yeah. You know, uh, they were. It wasn't like the Baylor game where they were down 15 and came back and all that, which that's impressive in its own right. Yeah, there. Gosh. And then I tell you what, man. I, this is gonna. We just made fun of them. Oh, uh, spent the first couple of minutes making fun of you know, fans. Oh. Sean too. Yeah, them too. This. I'm not praising Sean. I'm gonna praise the fans. You know yeah. how loud the crowd was in Waco. You know, McGuire mentioned it. Joey McGuire mentioned it in his uh, uh, introduction speech. You know about how when he when he was at Baylor, he went to basketball games that Tech fans really drowned out Baylor fans. I mean, you could hear it on TV and at friends at the game. And, Recruits that were at the game and, and they heard it, you know, and, and the, the, what that means, you know, what that means to uh, fans, recruits, the coaches, just everything. The whole effort is amazing. And I, that's why I, I always say, like, this is legitimately is one of the best fan bases uh, in the world. And I, I remember going to the Duke uh, Tech game up at Madison Square Garden that, that great year. They, they went on that uh that run to the Final Four in the National Championship game. I was sitting between two national writers, somebody from Forbes, and I can't remember the other one, and a, a Raider power chant went out. And they're, they were probably outnumbered two to one in, by Duke fans because that's kind of like Campus North. Duke mm -hmm. plays up there every year. and But these reporters were shocked at how loud Tech fans were, how rabid Tech fans were, and how they kind of took over the game for a little bit. And they just looked at me, knowing I was, you know, I cover Tech, and said, is this how it always is? And I said, yeah, pretty much, man. This is yeah. this is Red Raider Nation. And I, so my rock and reality check would be, like, congratulations to the fans because, man, how many how many tough times have we been through, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no all together, whether it be covering it or guys who played for, for, the, for the teams or, or and of course, the fans. And you almost seem like, you know, you were snake bit for a while, and now we're talking about this may be the best we've ever been situated in terms of uh, the football program under under Joey McGuire. We're going to talk about recruiting. It's really exciting what's going on. They just got a whole bunch of recruits in for the mid year, uh, you know, mid year enrollees, and then to see them show out at Baylor like that, um, and then you know, baseball coming up. We know how they show up for that. They get national attention for that. I just, I'm just happy for fans that they're going to see. You know, nationally relevant teams in all the major sports, basically, yeah. is what we're gonna, what we have to look forward to, and it's because of these coaching staffs they hired, and because of the, these fan, this fan base. Yeah, no, it, it last night it was a great game. I mean, you know, you had that uh, even the upper the upper levels oh, of the yeah. USA had a lot of people. I mean, they weren't packed, but that was a that was a great crowd though. Yeah. Over fourteen thousand last night, and uh, the Raider riot. You know, the students are back, and it was crazy, and some great chants that. 
Uh, some of them I don't think we're allowed to say on the radio, but, <laughs> but it's just fun. I mean, you know, they yeah. just really get into it, and uh, if, it's it, it was a great atmosphere last night and very exciting. If McGuire does what I think he's going to do, then basically it's going to be back to where nobody ever wants to come out here and play because yeah. it's going to be really hard to get a W, no matter what sport it is. And, I mean, that's pretty exciting. That's yeah. my reality check. No, I think, I think you guys said it all right there. When we come back here, we'll get to uh, some recruiting. Uh, it's inside the Red Raiders recruiting for football, a new world for Texas Tech recruiting, and Jarrett breaks down the successes and the potential for the Red Raiders on the football side of recruiting. Uh, when we come back here on the Red Raider Outfitter, rocking pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd on 101.1. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Pete's Tire and Service in Ropesville and South Plains College. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting update. Well, recruiting has been uh, really exciting so far in the uh, the young Joey McGuire era. So uh, what, what do you got for oh, us this man, week, Jared? It's a whole other level. It's almost like a whole different thing. Um, Really, I need, I need to clone myself to to get done. I mean, okay. I could have just a person, just dedicated to only covering football recruiting twenty four seven, and probably wouldn't get it all done. That's how busy these guys are. Wow. Uh, to give you an example, so you know the semester started back, and we were talking about the the kids being at the game last night and everything, and how awesome that was. Well, there's a lot of mid year enrollees like, in terms of football players. So like really the first crop of fresh talent of the Joey McGuire era moved in and you know we talk about this guy committed and we hear oh he decommitted and this guy signed but no he got out of his letter of, uh, of intent no these guys are enrolled they're going to class they're with the team they're at the football facility they're a part of the football program now and that's you know that's the final step yeah, of they recruiting. posted a bunch of pictures of them moving in right. this weekend yeah, yeah. exactly and so I, I just wanted to give everyone an idea of the kind of talent um, they had move in because it's significant. I mean, it's better than some classes we've seen in the last 10 years. Just really? the wow. mid-year, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, to me, you start off with Joseph Adedire. He's a 6'3", 250-pound three-star. He's borderline four-star uh, edge rusher. Kind of guy you just tech doesn't get, quite honestly. T they go to TCU. They go to Oklahoma State or, you know, OU or UT. Yeah. Um, he's at a Mansfield Summit. He was going to TCU. He decommitted. Uh, you know, and joined the defensive line coach coming over here. Uh, Landon Hullaby was a UT commit. He was an Oregon commit, signed with Texas Tech. He moved in. Also, he's from uh, Mansfield Timberview. He's a three-star. Another one of these guys, he's borderline almost a four-star. If he had stayed at Texas, I guarantee you they would have given him that longhorn bump. He would have been a right, mid-tier yeah. mid uh, four-star safety. But um, very good athlete. He can play multiple positions. Coach McGuire, I know, is really excited about getting him. Uh, this was a, you know, Tim DeRuiter, defensive coordinator, coming over here. This was a big, uh, him and Coach Yates, the DB coach, um, they played a big role in bringing Hullaby over, you know, from Oregon, from, from his commitment to Oregon. And then uh, Ty Khanna, linebacker from Katy. This was, I asked, talked to Coach McGuire about that, and this was just his relationship with the Katy program um, and just him being, Joey McGuire, you know, like that's Ty, Ty Connor committed without visiting because of Joey McGuire. 
you know, that's see, and that's what you always hear is his relationships yeah. and all these things. But this is like tangible evidence oh, of the yeah. importance of that. And the yeah. he's six ten, he's or six two, six ten. That would be basketball. <laughs> six two, two hundred and ten pounds is what he's listed at. But he's more like two thirty, two uh, twenty five, two thirty. Can run. He's a classic inside linebacker that will come up and dump you, but can get sideline to sideline. He was originally committed to USC. Uh, again. I mean, Tech doesn't really get these kind of guys that often, and they got several of them. Uh, Trayvon McElpine is another guy who uh, who moved in this week. 6'3", 280-pound defensive tackle from Alabama. Dang. Yeah. I mean, again, how many times have we been like, man, I wish they could get these, these guys out man. of high school. Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> And then Caden Weatherby rounds out the high school recruits who moved in this week. He was a long-time committee. He committed to the previous coaching staff, you know, Coach Wells and everything, but uh, definitely stayed on with uh, Joey McGuire. 6'7", 280. He's told me he's going to be more like 300 by the time spring ball comes around. Um, yeah, he, he, he tore uh, his labrum, you know, his shoulder, uh, so he missed his whole senior year, but he says 100% and he's going to be good to go by spring ball, and he's itching to get back out there and hit somebody, which I always like to hear. And then the transfers are equally impressive. Brady Boyd, 6'1", 185 from Minnesota. Uh, he's got four years of eligibility remaining. Um, he's originally from South Lake Carroll. Uh, his dad was Coach McGuire's offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, I think one of us. I think it was offensive coordinator, like back in the day at Cedar Hill. What? You know, what's interesting is that you know the transfers that you're seeing most. I don't know if all, but most <clears throat> it seems like McGuire when he first got here. He talked about uh, when his transfers, guys that were from Texas that wanted to come home. Yes. You know, and targeting those types of transfers, and he's really done that. I mean, because yes. the bulk of these guys, if not all, I mean, they are guys that are Texas, you know, high school guys. Absolutely, but not all of them. Some of them, specifically, you're right. Like, that's that's like 90% of who they're targeting. There's no doubt. There's great evidence of that. But here's a couple of offensive linemen who aren't coming back from Texas, and this is Coach McGuire said publicly, he told me in the interview we played a couple of times, that, you know, we got we got to get better on the offensive line. He said, we got to get better on the offensive line, the defensive line. We, you know, if it's, when he says, why not us? Well, before it could be us, we got to get better in the trenches. And Cade uh, Briggs from New Mexico is a guy who started, played a lot there uh, at New Mexico. He's actually originally from uh, Nevada. But uh, I expect him to step in and start for Dawson Deaton, who, who's uh, you know going to the NFL draft. Uh, Monroe Mills, this is the most recent commit who is supposed to enroll this week. Uh, he's from Oklahoma State, big old boy, 6'7", 300 pounds. I don't know if he's going to start, but he's he's a tackle. You know, he, at some point he's going to compete for playing time at tackle. At some point, yeah, he has a very good chance of, of starting and playing. It's nice he, to get somebody from one of your conference rivals too. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's a common theme because uh, they got a couple of guys from Texas. Joshua Moore, wide receiver, six one, at one seventy, one seventy five. Um, he's still more of like a high point guy than a, than a slot guy, uh, but. I think he led Texas in receiving in 2020, the, the COVID year. Last year, this past year, not you know, not so much. There was some off the field stuff, but again, we talked about him. I think last last week, and if Coach McGuire is is confident and that he's a good guy and bringing his program, then I'm definitely giving him the right. benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Another guy from Texas, Tyler Owens. I got a buddy who was up there at the facility, talking to some of the coaches and the players who told me he met Tyler and. He said, uh, you know, hey, horns down. I'm glad you finally chose the right side. And uh, uh, Tyler said, yeah, horns down for life. So really? he's definitely wow. all in as a Red Raider. So yeah. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. Actually, this is kind of like the end zone comment. I don't yeah. know if I should have said that. But, <laughs> but he's definitely all in with the Red Raiders. Uh, and then Demetri Moore, I, you know, another guy I expect to step in and start. He was. We talked about him, how he was uh, all SEC uh, freshman team. 
for Vanderbilt years back. He played for Coach McGuire in 2014 um, at Cedar Hill. So that's he literally is a grown man. He's been playing forever. You know, uh, the COVID year g- gives him another opportunity to play for Tech. He's listed on his profile 63208, but that's he's like 63240 now, and. Uh, he tallied over 200 tackles in his time at Vanderbilt before going to Missouri State. And, you know, I, I, I've seen him play. I saw him play in high school. The dude, the dude is a headhunter, you know, and I mean that in the best possible way. He's violent, and uh, Tech could use more of those guys, and we know they lost a lot of linebackers. So then they had a couple of walk-ons. The main one I just want to mention is Jacob Rodriguez. He's a guy Tech actually offered a scholarship to. He was a four-star uh, athlete slash quarterback. Uh, coming out of Wichita Falls Rider. He went to Virginia, did several things for them as an athlete, but he's more than likely going to be a linebacker for Tech. He, he's, but another uh, guy coming home, basically. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly right. And uh, he might play some kind of safety linebacker hybrid, but expect him to play defense for you. He's one of those guys that will be on one of those videos where they get uh, put on scholarship at some point you know, yeah. th- down the road because that guy could play football. I saw him in person and you know, watched a lot of his highlights. He's just really good, just – Find a, find a spot for him and, and put him out there. So, I mean, to get all that talent in mid, mid-year mid like this and have him go through spring ball and be a part of your culture and everything and that talent influence, that's huge. I mean, that's probably the biggest mid-year talent infusion I've seen in my time here covering Texas Tech, which has been almost a decade. You know, it's just amazing, too, this staff. I mean, the, the difference in the recruiting activity, if nothing else. Well, yeah. I mean, they're bringing guys in. But if you follow on Twitter – I mean, you're, it's every day, man. It, it, you're in, inundated with new offers and Absolutely. guys coming to camp. And, I mean, they have a coordinated effort. You can tell oh, that yeah. there, is, there, there is definitely a difference in, in the effort that they put forth with, with recruiting. Well, look, just ball, just step back and look at the big picture, like what you're talking about. Just this week they had these mid, mid-year guys come in. Uh, the dead period ended today. So they're out recruiting. They're out in West Texas. I saw at least one one of the dudes is going out to East Texas. Uh, they have recruits. They have a four-star guy I wanted to mention, Brendan Jordan from Mansfield, one of their top 2023 targets, is in town this week. He's got offers from I don't know, like eight or nine of your, your your rivals out there. You know, I mean, so if you could land him, that would be huge. I know he visited in November as well, so it's big to get him back. Uh, this week he's going to go visit Arkansas next week, and they're making a big push for him. So that's happening. Uh, and then next weekend they're going to have uh, it looks like a pretty good pretty good group. But then the the weekend of the 29th they're going to have a huge probably the biggest junior day event we've seen here because like Baylor used to do that where they'd have like 200 juniors show up for yeah. a junior day event and Tech would have like 20. I'm expecting it to be more like 100. You know, yeah. like I've like I've already just on Twitter alone. There's been at least like 50 recruits say they're coming for that junior day. You know? See, that's another thing I've noticed is that, and, and I don't know, you know, the, the inner workings of how they go about this, but how many of those guys did you see this week tweeting out oh, yeah. or that were retweeted yep. by Joey McGuire or something yep. say they were going to be at Tech Junior Day or, yep. hey, thanks for the invite, I'll be there. And so the coordination of, you know, even if they're telling us, hey, man, be sure you retweet this or, hey, be sure oh, yeah. you post this. But, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You, you just see actual enthusiasm and activity and excitement that you have not seen in years what's cool about mcguire being here is is just that it's it's cool to want to to talk about texas tech again where where it hadn't been you know and we remember um really even in the 90s tech being like the outlaws you know Mm kind of um and then with mike leach doing the whole pirate thing and then being exciting like it was cool 
to be recruited by Texas Tech. It was yeah. cool to think about going, coming out here and playing football, and then all of a sudden it wasn't, you know, right. and it hadn't been for a long time. Now, you know, not only are the recruits excited, but needless to say, their head coaches, those high school coaches are excited that McGuire is out here. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of momentum there. And I know uh, yeah, I mentioned, man, I need to clone myself. Uh, one of my most recent hires is uh, Austin Massey on Inside the Red Raiders. And, uh, man, he's done a great job, uh, especially basketball recruiting, but also football recruiting, too. And I know we caught up with him just kind of looking at you know, he, he has a lot of contacts. He talks to a lot of recruits just about moving forward what, what this coaching staff is looking for. Yeah, it's a really good question, too. So I think that, um, you know, one of the big priorities for the Texas Tech football staff has been um, kind of beefing up in the trenches. Um, we just saw a commitment from an Oklahoma State transfer um, on the offensive line. Um, we saw another uh, transfer a couple of weeks ago. I believe his name was Cade Briggs. Um, so I would honestly stay on the lookout for um, two, there's two other transfers to keep an eye on. Um, that's going to be uh, his name is Mason Brooks. Uh, he was actually he played at um, Western Kentucky last year um, underneath Zach Kitley. Um, and Stephen Hamby, of course. So definitely keep an eye on that guy. Um, I think there's a good chance there. There's also another transfer. His name's Michael Shanahan. Um, again, these are both offensive linemen. Um, so Michael Shanahan, he was a FCS All-American last year. Um, he actually has a five-star um, brother who also is an offensive lineman in the class of 2023. Texas Tech just offered him a few weeks ago. Um, so keep an eye on those two guys, you know, to potentially be next. And I think that the staff really is focused on kind of beefing up that offensive line um, and, you know, trying to get some protection for those those quarterbacks. Yeah, and with those two guys, I actually talked with uh, T.J. Shannon, the, the younger brother, and uh, his older brother, Michael Shan, Shanahan, uh, is actually at Oklahoma State right now. So you're battling with, again, another in-conference, uh, you know, rival, but I know that the Shanahan's had a really good visit. TJ was going. He was accompanied his family and his brother on that visit last weekend and said they just had a great time. I, I actually was expecting to commit uh, anytime soon, but I guess they want to go see Oklahoma State first. I understand that. You might get both of them, you know. Mm-hmm. And Michael is from the FCS level. It's very much like a Josh Berger type recruitment, except he's bigger. Um, and, I, you know, people were skeptical of Josh Berger, and I think rightfully so, coming from the FCS level. But, look, he played every – every position on your offensive line started i think every game for two years and i mean if you can get that from michael shanahan that'd be great and tj shanahan is a big deal so if you uh get both those guys in multiple classes that would be huge and then the western kentucky kid you know you would think with kitley having that in with him that tech would be in a really good situation and just i'm not saying they're out of it but because i know coach hamby is still recruiting him but it looks like he's down to three SEC schools. It looks like it's Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Auburn is what he's really looking at right now. And, you know, maybe I, I've learned not to uh, doubt these guys on the recruiting right, trail. I mean, right. maybe McGuire and Hamby, you know, get it done somehow and change his mind. But uh, right now that's what it looks like. Okay. So that's the update on those two guys. But they're definitely, again, like Austin said, like I said earlier in the segment, and I love to hear this, that they have to get better in the trenches if they want to win titles, which is what they're talking about. Right. You know, that's yeah. they're not looking just to be relevant again. They want to win the Big Twelve. So 
to do that, I mean, they're going to have to get improve up front. That's just bottom line. All right. We'll certainly uh, put some great effort forth to make that happen. Uh, later on in the show, we'll have some more recruiting, but uh, we'll get to, like, basketball recruiting, which is always exciting these days. So oh, yeah. uh, that's coming up. Also uh, in the show, we'll visit with the Kansas State play-by-play voice Wyatt Thompson about tomorrow's matchup with Texas Tech and Kansas State. And uh, some more basketball talk. We'll have uh, an update on the Lady Raiders, even some uh, Texas Tech track and field updates for you as well. But coming up next, it's uh, our uh, rocketologist for the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll. Find out where Tech is on this week's poll. Coming up next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame, live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd, 101.1. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Cotton Court Hotel, E-Equipment, and Weston Water Well Drilling and Pump Service. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll on the Rockin' Pregame. All right, it is our college basketball rocketologist this week with the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll. We're joined by our friends, founder of the ACC Basketball Report, Michael Hunter, and from inside the Red Raiders, it's Austin Massey joining us this week. Gentlemen, this week there were upsets all over the place. Which one really surprised you? You know, for me, it's got to be Miami going to Duke in Durham and and, and getting that upset. Um I hadn't been a big Miami believer so far this season. They did start conference play at 5-0, and one of the few teams to beat Wake Forest. But coming into that game, I really expected Duke to get right. Um, you know, you know, Coach K is going to say that it was rust and da-da-da-da-da. Well, you know, Duke didn't touch a ball for seven or eight days before they played Georgia Tech, and they were still beating the Yellow Jackets by a dozen um, at halftime in that game. So, you know, for me, it, you know, Duke's still one of the, the more talented, if not the most talented team in the ACC. But them dropping a game at home to Miami is is very surprising to me. And it's not because Miami doesn't have talent. I mean, they're the only team, one of the only teams in the nation to have two players that average 16 points, four rebounds, and two assists per game. In Isaiah Wong, Kim McGusty. McGusty actually playing like a first-team all-conference type player right now. But, you know, this Miami team like teams of the past, lose to Alabama, lose to, which isn't surprising, lost to Dayton earlier in the season, which is eh, and then losing to UCF, which is also probably expected given Miami's recent lack of success in the past few seasons. But, you know, I, I think that the way they've started, the t- I almost put them in my top 25 this week. So I, I'm not sure if Miami's that good. I'm not sure if Duke was just kind of complacent coming into that game or, or what happened. But for me, that was the biggest upset of the week. Yeah, I mean, I really that was a that was one of the games that I'd kind of highlighted as well. I um, was super impressed by Miami, and honestly, I think that they are kind of you know they're starting to play more together as a unit. Um, I think they're just kind of starting to string together some better games. Um, so very impressed with Miami. They were, I believe, they were uh, almost in my top twenty-five as well, um, towards kind of the, the the back end, you know, in the twenty-five, twenty-six range. Um, but you know, obviously for me, I got to go with Texas Tech here. Um, I think. You know, first beating Kansas and then beating Baylor on the road. I think Baylor hadn't lost a game in like 305 days or something is what I heard. Um, So, I mean, that was just a huge win for a first-year head coach. Um, You know, Mark Adams is still trying to kind of establish um, his identity as a team. Obviously, they're a defense team first, but um, they're trying to figure some some things out on offense. Um, I think you kind of saw some more movement on offense. You saw more cutting. Um, I just think you saw a more polished product. I think their defensive rotations are cleaning up. Um, I'm just really impressed what I saw out of that. 
Um, and also, I really th I thought the Stanford win over USC was also pretty surprising. Um, I, I've been a pretty pretty high on USC thus far. Um, I definitely, you take a look at their schedule, and it's pretty clear that, I mean, they've had the easiest schedule in college basketball at this point, uh, in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's surprising to one sense, but at the same time, I'm a bit disappointed. Um, and Stanford getting that win over USC was, was big for their program as well. Yeah, one of the biggest things, the biggest takeaways from that Texas Tech win over Baylor for me is Texas Tech playing one of the top 10 defensive teams in the nation, scores 1.03 points per possession in that game without Terrence Shannon. Um, this is a team that was supposed to be kind of a struggle offensively this year. Um, we all knew they would be fantastic defensively, but when you perform like that on the road at Baylor, the best team in the nation, um, that it's that good on defense and you put up over a point per possession, um, I think things are starting to come together for the Red Raiders. Well, let's release the Rockin' 25. Baylor still got eight of the number one votes, so they hold number one for another week. Gonzaga up to two. Auburn jumps up five to three. Arizona four. Purdue slips to five. Austin, do these teams have what it takes to end the year in the top five, or will there be some more churning of the top soon? Yeah, so, I mean, this is a difficult one for me. Um you know, with the Big 12 and the SEC, with how strong they are this season, it's it's a little bit hard for me to say. Um, my best is my best guess is Baylor is going to drop a few games in conference play. I still do think they're going to end up finishing a top five team. Is uh, you know, uh, beside that, um, and then you have Auburn. Um, I think Auburn's looked fantastic this year. I do think maybe there's a few kind of trap games in their schedule with the SEC. Um, there will be a few tough games, but that that win over Alabama on the road was huge for them. Um, so I still think that. Baylor and Auburn, you know, are good candidates to stay in the top five, you know, aside from their very tough conference schedule. Um, but I, I do still see them both winning their conferences and remaining in the top five. Um, Gonzaga and Arizona, I think they should both kind of glide through their conference play. Um, but as far as Arizona goes, I definitely, the, the kind of the matchup to monitor in the Pac-12 is going to be between UCLA and Arizona, of course. Um, I think that that's going to be, very interesting. I could easily see UCLA kind of sliding into that top five should they beat Arizona um, and vice versa. If Arizona kind of wins that first matchup between uh, between them two, um, I could easily see them kind of winning out the remaining schedule um, and kind of building momentum behind that. And lastly, Purdue, um, I think they have a good chance to slip out of the top five. Honestly, I, I think they've struggled the last few games. I've always been high on Purdue. Um, I just need to see some more from them in the next couple games. Um, if they can beat Illinois on the road next week, I think that would be huge for them. That's the game I'm kind of circling for for Purdue. That's going to be a very tough game. I think Illinois is kind of starting to click, um, you know, at Illinois. So keep an eye on that game. Um, and I definitely think the Big Ten is kind of sneaky good this year. Um, I think a lot of people obviously are very high on them, but there's also some, some tough kind of uh, – road games from teams like Rutgers that maybe you wouldn't kind of consider that a tough game, but there's just some weird, weird teams and some weird environments in that, that conference. So, um, but you know, I, I think out of all the teams I could see Purdue potentially slipping out of the top five. Yeah. I, you know, I think all five of these teams have the chops to finish the season in the top five. I think Austin's absolutely correct in schedule is going to dictate this more than probably anything else. I agree with Gonzaga floating through. And we've talked about this in the past. Arizona doesn't have a whole lot of meat left on the bone in the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 schedule. Like he said, UCLA is probably that team. Having watched, having watched um, USC play the other night against Stanford, 
and seeing that number five next to their name on the bottom line, UC, USC did not look like a top five, 10, 15 team in that game to me. I think they're purely a product of their schedule so far. So I think UCLA is probably the only team left in the Pac-12 that could give Arizona some kind of game. I think Arizona is going to remain in the top five for at least, you know, the next four, five, six weeks. And then we get into, you know, late season, who knows what happens, injuries, conference tournament, things like that. So um, Purdue, I think, is still possibly the best team in the nation. They just, they're kind of in a lull right now. And I agree that that game this week against Illinois is going gonna, is gonna to tell us a lot about both teams, um, as I think Illinois is starting to get it together as well. I, I, you know, outside of the top five that we have, you got to look at teams like Kansas. I think LSU has potential to be a top five, especially with their schedule. If they keep rolling the way they play defense, they could sneak into our top five. But there's two or three teams knocking on the door of the top five. And with tough schedules in the Big Ten specifically and the SEC specifically, I think Auburn's going to stumble a little bit at times. And, you know, Purdue as well, having to play Indiana twice, having to play Iowa on the road, um, it's it's going to be tough sledding for Purdue the rest of the year. They're gonna they're gonna drop a few games, especially on the road. I think in a tough Big Ten. So, I think all these teams are, are top eight teams at worst. But uh, schedule is going to dictate whether or not they remain in our top five for the entire season. Yeah, I completely agree. And the one team that you brought up, LSU, I'm, I'm really high on LSU. I, I've been extremely impressed with them. I mean, I think they have the best defense in the country um, from an efficiency standpoint. They've got a lot. They've got athletes. I mean, these guys are. You know, they're relentless. Um, if they're down 15, it kind of reminds me of that Texas Tech game versus uh, Baylor. You know, it's like they could be down 15, and before you know it, they have a 10-point lead. Um, so I really like LSU. Um, I could definitely see them slipping into the top five as well, um, you know, kind of depending on how their conference play goes. Well, 6 through 10 of the Rockin' 25 has UCLA dropping 1 to 6. Kansas, after their loss to Texas Tech, falls to 7. Duke drops 6 places after falling to Miami. LSU is up six at number nine, and the biggest gainer of the week, up 16 places from outside the pole to the top ten, is the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Was this week just the perfect storm, or do the Red Raiders have what it takes as a top ten team, Michael? Yeah, I think, you know, just defensively, they are one of the top probably six or seven best teams in the nation. Um, It's very interesting how well they've played without Terrence Shannon to me. Um, You know, playing on the road in Ames, uh, you know, last Wednesday, that, you know, 47 points. Iowa State's a good team. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I was on the fence for a long time. I'm a latecomer to that party. Iowa State's good. So losing in Ames isn't a huge deal. However, scoring 47 points in a game is kind of a big deal. But they redeemed themselves against Kansas, against Baylor, two of the top, whatever, eight teams in the nation, um, two obviously power teams, programs within their conference. Uh, Baylor on the road is one of, if not the toughest places to play in the entire country. So I think Adams has a a program full of his type of guys that play defense. And (laughs) I got to tell you, I didn't know coming into the season who Clarence Nadalny was. And I love to watch this kid play basketball. He's, I think he's probably the heart and soul of this team. Um, He certainly plays like it. He's got kind of an attitude to him. I really like that. Um, Kevin McCullough, if he could stay healthy, would be a tremendous asset to this team, but he's got uh, kind of a foot or ankle thing going on right now. He toughed it out against Baylor, a uh, very admirable performance in that game. So you know, if they can get Shannon back, if they can get McCullough healthy, I think this team has what it takes to be a top seven or eight team going the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, you raised some really good points. I mean, you have guys like Clarence Nadoni stepping up, Bryson Williams. 
Um, two guys that, you know, I mean, I think Bryson Williams, uh, people were somewhat familiar with him heading into the season. He came from UTEP. He, you know, he's a double-double machine type guy. But this year, I mean, there were some serious question marks about him. I mean, he started the year off extremely hot, and then he just kind of almost got shut down completely for, a, you know, a couple-game stretch there. And now in conference play, he's, you know, averaging 15 points a game for them. Um, so you have guys stepping up, you know, when it matters most. Um, I... I I still, I'm a little bit iffy if they can remain a top 10 team, and that's only because of how tough the Big 12 is. It's not even anything against Texas Tech. Um, but I, I will say, if they can continue to play this level of defense, um, if they can just keep getting better each game, um, and if these these role players, Adonis Arms, you know, Clarence Nadoni, um, just Davion Warren, Bryson Williams, guys like this, and then you even factor in guys like Kevin O'Banner, who haven't had a huge impact on the team thus far. Um, I mean, they're... You know his his uh, his performances don't necessarily reflect in in the stat sheet, but what what he brings to their team in general, from a leadership standpoint, um, from a rebounding standpoint, he's also been very good. You know, cutting to the basket this year, he's finishing around the rim very well. Um, but you just factor all, in all these things. If they can just keep continuing um, to build on that, then they can absolutely finish a top ten team, and they can even make a run for the conference title. Um, I think I was looking at. Uh, I was looking at some analytics today, and it looks like Texas Tech could potentially be favored to win the next 13 out of their 16 games. Or not consecutively, but um, they will be favored in 13 of their next 16 games. So that's telling something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they can just continue to build, stay healthy, um, get Terrence back. And I do agree, Michael, uh, it has been interesting to see the team kind of, um, you know, build around each other since Terrence has been out. So that'll be an interesting dynamic when, when he gets back. You know whose minutes you know get taken away, or is it going to be more of a balanced approach? Um, I tend to hope it's going to be more of a balanced approach. I think Terrence kind of sometimes gets that um, you know score first mentality. Um, I think he's better when he's kind of playing complementary ball. Um, so just keep an eye on kind of how that develops, and also yes, they they will need Kevin McCuller back if they're going to be a top ten team. They'll need him full strength. Yeah, you know Austin brings up a great point with with their schedule. You know they still need to go to Kansas State to Kansas, to West Virginia, to Oklahoma, to Texas, and they wrap up the season at Oklahoma State, which is never an easy place to play. So schedule may dictate whether or not this team remains in the top eight, but I don't think there's any question at this point that they're one of the 25 best teams in the country. All right, exclusive to the Rockin' pregame, it is the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our Rocketologist Michael Hunter and Rockin' 25 voter Austin Massey joining us this week. So the middle five of the Rockin' 25 has... Michigan State at 11, Wisconsin up nine places to number 12, Villanova is at 13, followed by Houston at 14, and Kentucky is at 15. Now, if Haslam doesn't talk about them, they can't be cursed by bad luck. So what's going on in the Big Ten, Michael? I think, you know, the Big Ten is once again strong. I mean, Wisconsin has has potentially one of the best players in the country in Johnny Davis, and you know, I think I've been saying it all year. I think Indiana is criminally underrated, not just in the country, but in our own poll. I, I, I think that the Hoosiers are really, really good, um, but it, they don't seem to be getting a whole lot of love from us or really anybody else. Um, we kind of called it early in the season in Iowa. Iowa's at 11-4 right now, but I think the top of the Big Ten is is very good. Unlike most seasons, the Big Ten is usually deep. 
But this season, I think the Big Ten's a little top-heavy. Illinois is coming around. Michigan State's good. Ohio State's good. Wisconsin's good. I think those are all Final Four contenders, and I think Indiana's very underrated. So I think the Big Ten's going to be fun. I mean, aside from Michigan and Maryland, um, I think the Big Ten's been really solid this year. You know, Purdue, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State, even Illinois, um, maybe even throwing a wild card like Indiana. I think those are all teams that can make a deep run come March. Um, I still do think Purdue has the best chance to win the conference. Um, but, you know, after losing to Wisconsin, they also struggled uh, to beat Penn State on the road. Um, I don't think they're necessarily the clear-cut favorite. Um, so it'll be very plausible that a team like Wisconsin or even Illinois, Ohio State, could end up making a run, you know, for that conference championship. 16th through 20 of the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll has USC after losing to lowly Stanford at 16. Ohio State is 17. Xavier up 6 to 18. Iowa State falls six spots to 19. Seton Hall is 20. Austin, as conference play continues, there are teams that are making an early impact. Who are they and which teams wish the cupcake games were back? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I would have to say, you know, USC, um, I, I think that they're going to want that cupcake schedule back. I mean, the Pac-12 is pretty easy, but um, as far as, uh, you know, I, I just think that things are going to get tougher for them once they start playing some of the better teams in that conference. Um, you know, Arizona, UCLA, I think they could have, there's a chance they could be exposed. Um, I do think they're a, a good tier or two, you know, behind Arizona and UCLA. Um, I also think Xavier, um, I, I'm, you know, just to state the record, I'm very high on Xavier. Um, I, I just kind of expected them to split that that series with Villanova. Um, they, they, they lost last night. I know that was a pretty close game. Um, so I'm still high on them. But, you know, if you want to be considered an elite team like that, you need to be winning some of those games. Um, and really, if you go look at Xavier's resume right now, they really only have one, uh, you know, I would say like quality win. And that come, came against Ohio State back in November. Um, and then also, I do think uh, Iowa State could potentially be in for a little bit of a disappointment come conference play. I'm a little bit worried about their offense. Um, you know, Texas Tech went on the road and almost beat them with seven guys. So it's just, I, I do think there are some question marks. I was impressed with them against Kansas. Um, but those are three teams that I think, you know, I think the schedule could uh, make things tough on them. The final five of the Rockin' 25 has Illinois at 21, Tennessee at 22, uh, Big 12 school in Austin at 23, Providence at 24. And the biggest drop of this week, Alabama, losing 11 places to barely hold on to a spot in the Rockin' 25. Michael, you were talking up the Crimson Tide, and they, they blew up. Are you still feeling good about this team? You know, every week it seems like either Haslam or I or both end up cursing a team. Um, Eric gets <laughs> out of it this week, which is good for him. But uh, I knew this would kind of come back to haunt me this week. I, I still like the makeup of this team. I think that Alabama needs to find that, that, that defensive desire that uh, the, the, they've kind of lost that. And you know, if you look at their schedule, if you look at their results, they don't really own a bad loss outside of the loss to Missouri. I mean, Iona is coached by arguably uh, one of the top five coaches to ever coach basketball in Rick Pitino. Uh, Memphis, that's not a bad loss. Davidson is one of the better teams in the country that nobody talks about. And then, you know, losing to Auburn is not a big deal, especially in a rivalry game. Losing at home is kind of a big deal, but Auburn's obviously one of the top five teams in the nation right now. Now, for whatever reason, you know, they lose to Missouri, which Quanzo Martin is rewarded by getting fired in that game. But, um, you know, I, I like Alabama's makeup. I think they have the talent, the ability, the coaching, the depth, the shooting, scoring. They just, they just got to play some defense. And I, I still think that, you know, 
They have LSU on the schedule. I've still got that, that game circled on my calendar. They've still got a lot of games left on their schedule where they can get right and prove that they are one of the top 15 teams in the country. All right. Other teams receiving votes on the Rockin' 25, including uh, this week Belmont, Colorado State, Indiana, Loyola, Chicago, Miami, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Yukon, and West Virginia. Talk of returning to normal has been on social media, but if you could have other, uh, if you could have other than bracket busters, one event back from the past, what would it be, Austin? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to go with a 24-hour, you know, basketball marathon. Um, I, I definitely think that that was kind of a classic, um, for, especially for people like me that were kind of, you know, my, my schedule is just kind of crazy. Some nights I'm up real late. Uh, some mornings I'm up, you know, super early. Um, and man, you just can't beat having basketball on at all times like that. And it's just it's just kind of a feel good, um, you know, way to kind of kick off the season, too. So um, I would have to go with the 24 hour, you know, basketball marathon um, just because I'm a big uh, hoops you know, guy like that. So um, that's something that I would love to see be brought back. Yeah, I, I completely agree uh, with Austin. The 24 hour kickoff was was awesome. Obviously, I didn't watch it all the time, but. You know, I, I can't watch Hawaii at, at 2 o'clock in the morning, but it's great to wake up before work at 5 and have live basketball, so I certainly agree there. Uh, I would bring back the Great Alaska Shootout as well. That always had a great field with the, with the exception of maybe the last four or five years. Um, I remember Middle Tennessee State winning that tournament at one point. But one, one tournament that was often underrated and was kind of fizzled out due to the non-exempt slash exempt rules was the BB&T Classic that took place in Washington, D.C. Uh, typically four teams in that tournament. Uh, John Feinstein, renowned college basketball author, was one of the organizers of that event, which raised money for children's charities in the D.C. area. Uh, a great event uh, with a great purpose, and it's really too bad that, that tournaments like that with that kind of mission statement are, are no longer with us. So I would bring that tournament back as well. It's the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll with our Rocketologist Michael Hunter and Rockin' 25 voter Austin Massey. Which game is the game you have to watch out for in the next week, Michael? I'm glad I get to go first on this question because I'm pretty sure that Austin has the same answer as I do. <laughs> for me, it's going to be Purdue and Illinois. Um, watching Kofi Coburn go against Zach Eady is going to be kind of a matchup for the ages. Eady's got the height. Kofi's got the athleticism and just the bulk. But, uh, I mean, the, the matchups all around this floor are going to be incredible. Uh, you're looking at a team in Purdue that is thought to be one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in the country. And then a team like Illinois, who kind of fell off a little early when Kofi was out for the first few games of the season, but is now kind of making their way and ascending the top 25 into what will eventually be a top 10, top 8 kind of team. So this is this is a big game for each of these programs to solidify where they're at at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, that's a great choice. I, I'm, I'm very excited for that game. And it's going to it's gonna be a big, you know, it's going to have a big impact in that, that conference kind of championship hunts. Um, but I'm going to go with two games here, uh, Texas and Iowa State, or sorry, at Iowa State. Um, I think that's going to be a big game for both teams. Obviously, Chris Beard's still kind of searching for some kind of signature win. I mean, they, they beat Oklahoma at home. I think Oklahoma still has question marks. Um, so that game is one to watch in the Big 12. And I also think Tennessee at Kentucky. Um, I think Tennessee's obviously kind of struggled a little bit. I still think they're a solid squad, especially on the defensive end. Um, and, you know, Kentucky... Is, is it, I just think that it's going to be a very even, uh, very evenly built match. So keep your eye out on those two, especially for the SEC. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I like those two along with the Illinois-Purdue game. All right. Well, where can people find your work? 
So I'm over at InsideTheRedRaiders.com. Um, that's 247 Sports Texas Tech site. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, I primarily cover, you know, Texas Tech basketball. Um, my Twitter handle is uh, Austin underscore Massey underscore. Um, so, yeah, find me on Inside the Red Raiders um, or find me on Twitter. And as always, you can find my great slash bad takes on Twitter at <laughs> ACCBR1, as well as some uh, some thoughts on at the CBBIQ on Twitter. It's a new account, a new venture that actually Austin is a part of as well, uh, along with myself and Eric Haslam and a few others. So we are trying to get, establish ourselves there and make that a thing. And I'll, as always, you can find me uh, at basketballarticles.com, spookyexpress.com for my betting previews, and noopsports, knupsports.com. Well, thanks for all your help, guys. Our thanks to the Rockin' 25 voters, Michael Hunter, Austin Massey, breaking down the analytics and the teams. The Rockin' 25 college basketball poll, always available at 101thebeard.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. All right, there you go, the Rockin' 25 for this week. When we return here on the Rockin' pregame, uh, Jarrett is a breakdown the successes and the potential for Raiders basketball recruiting. And uh, could there be yet another announcement coming soon? So, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe not. Maybe there is. Maybe there's not. We call that a tease. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beer. Sponsored by Meineke, Zonko, and Bud Light. Inside the Red Raiders recruiting news. Basketball. All right. Moving on to basketball now. We covered football a little bit earlier in the show, and uh, basketball recruiting has been, uh, man, the last several years, man, it's been been really exciting and uh, no uh, no different now. Yeah, I mean, I think the big news, well, the big news in basketball recruiting is the fact that Jalen Tyson, uh, you know, transferred from Texas to Tech, but he was in the house last night. Yeah, he was. He was, yeah, there he was on, on the bench, bench and yeah. everything, and Heck, he even went through the, uh, you know, good game line at the end after Tech beat Oklahoma State. So uh, this time he was on the winning side of that because <laughs> I think he was with Texas when uh, Oklahoma State beat the Longhorns. So I'm not sure if that's if the timeline was right there, but y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, we talked about Tyson last week just briefly. I, you know, former four-star guy, top 40 national player, 6'6", really smooth, silky smooth scoring guy. He's, I, I was watching him in that uh you know, good game line. I mean, he was taller than McCuller. I mean, he almost looked like you know, like a big, like yeah. not just a like a like a wing, but like a forward, like a four, that kind of size. I was like, wow. Um, but very skilled. Um, of course, he committed to Tech, longtime commit, signed with Tech. But when Beard left, he went with Coach Beard to Texas. Didn't last even till call or to uh, Big Twelve Conference play, and then transferred back to the good guys. So, what do you make of that? Too? I mean, is it just was it simply playing time or was he just got there no, was I, like i just don't think it's a fit for me i'll like tell you school, this what? there was no doubt in my mind that tyson was going to go wherever beard was and yeah. and his assistant coach uh coach malaga yeah. and so he was that tight with them i mean i bet i talked to him 50 times in his recruitment and that's what he said that those are my guys yeah. so for beard and 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 whoever the staff to basically sour him that quickly on it it wasn't just playing time i think yeah. that's part of it but, I mean, look, there's a track record. I mean, I, I can't remember all the guys' names. There's that dude from Georgia who he ended up not, not being that good. Um, who was it last year? Amari Burnett. Yes, thank yeah. you for remembering the name. Amari Burnett. I, he wasn't here long enough to remember his yeah. name. But I mean, he was a, you know, blue-chip guy that didn't last long. 
Um, and we, you know, of course, when when Beard was here, it's like all oh, those guys are soft, and you know, it's it's the recruits' fault. But I mean, come on, there's a proven track record, or not proven, but there's a there's a a, a pattern right, yeah. for, of him running off this blue chip talent, and not not just that, um, some of the bigs that he ran off, you know, that he didn't give a chance to develop. I mean, like, I wonder would Nadalny even be still be here mm-hmm. if if Beard was still here, you know. Would McCuller still be here? Yeah, I I would say I'll tell you right now, no, he wouldn't be. So, um, it, it's I don't I know this wasn't supposed to be about Beard, but I mean, there's a pattern there. And and you know, and another guy that I mean, I was shocked when like when Micah Peavy left Tech, I I just thought for sure he would follow Beard just because yeah. of the relationship between Beard and Peavy's dad and and that whole thing. So the fact that he didn't go, yeah. I thought it was interesting, too, that he didn't follow. It is. Texas, you, know? you know, it definitely is. But another thing that's interesting is that we questioned if Mark Adams would be able to recruit. Well, the answer is a heck yeah. Him and his staff. Yeah. His, his coaching staff, too. Uh, his assistants deserve a lot of credit. I mean, you look at the 2022 signees now that Tyson's part of it. You got Pop Isaacs, four-star guy who could have gone almost anywhere he wanted to. Lamar Washington, a combo guard. He can play point. And he's also an athletic. He's so athletic. Um, you know, as a two or a combo guard, that he was a three-star football recruit too. He could wow. play uh, power five football. He was he's that good of an athlete, but uh, very good basketball player. Uh, Robert Jennings, six-seven forward uh, out of the Metroplex. I think he's more of a project compared to these other guys, but uh, he's a he's a bona fide three-star, high three-star guy. And like I said, you got Jalen Tyson, a former top forty guy, come in. I mean, that's. That's huge. Right now, that class is ranked 27th in the country and 4th in the Big 12. There were times not that long ago that we would have, like, you know, guys would have sold their soul to have that kind of class. Now it's like, oh, that's okay. But, you know, they're not done. I'm, they're in on, and I've mentioned this before, five-star center, Johan Treor is still in play. You At 24-7 Sports, at Inside the Red Raiders, if you go to the recruiting rankings, you could use the recruiting uh, calculator to where, like, what if Tech – you know, sign this guy, added this guy to the commitment class. And it would move Tech up to 14th and uh, overall in the, in the country, which, wow. Yeah. And uh, third in the Big 12. I mean, that's that's pretty dang good right there yeah. for his first cl- first real class oh, yeah. you know, under Coach Adams. So, uh, you know, he can recruit. Obviously, he can coach. And uh, I think the, the most important thing is Coach Adams knows what he's looking for. Yeah. You know, look at the guys and how they fit in uh, this year. So, uh, you know, that's the 2022 class, and I know we actually caught up with, uh, you know, again, Austin Massey about, uh, you know, what he thinks about this class. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely maybe give a few hints. I mean, everyone knows um, that Texas Tech is, you know, heavily in the mix for five-star center Yawan Treor. Um, I definitely think that uh, just checking in with sources over the last few months, it seems like the optimism has continued to rise. Um, of course, uh, I know... Memphis is in the mix, and I think you can kind of see what's happening over there in their program right now. Um, they just lost, they just lost the UCF. Um, they also have several other, you know, pretty pretty bad losses, and it's not looking like they're going to be a tournament team whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, that's that's definitely going to be tough for Penny Hardaway to overcome in terms of um, recruiting and things like that. You could even see guys transfer out of Memphis again this summer. Um, so I definitely think Texas Tech is in a really good position there. Um, I know Kentucky has kind of uh, started to show some interest, so that'll be something to monitor. But uh, definitely, I think there's some, you know, there's some positivity there on the Texas Tech side. Um, there's plenty of connections between Treyor, 
um, and the staff and also some of the current players with, you know, Daniel Bacho. Um, him and Treor actually played on the FIBA national team together for France. Um, that was a few years ago. So there's some connections there. He's friends with Clarence Nadoni. Um, so definitely keep an eye on um, five-star center Yohan Treor, um, you know, potentially being the next ad. That's interesting. I didn't know all those connections with yeah. Nadoni and Bacho. That's, that's fascinating, yeah. Yep. And then, you know, that's the 2022 class. Looking ahead to, to the 2023 group, uh, they have some visitors coming in pretty soon. Austin uh, talked about that. Yeah, so I think that you're going to start to see some official visits in the class of 2023 here pretty soon. Um, I think you can see visits from guys like Drew Steff, um, who's a four-star guard um, out of the Frisco area. I think you'll see a official visit from K.J. Lewis. Uh, most Texas Tech fans are familiar with him. He's the El Paso, Texas native. Um, he's a fringe five-star type guy. Um, I think you could also see a visit from maybe a few other guys. I Texas Tech just made the top eight for five-star guard Kylan Boswell. He actually plays for the same team that Lamar Washington did uh, or does, um, Arizona Compass Prep. There's some connections there. Um, also, uh, R.J. Jones, he was actually supposed to visit um, last weekend for the Kansas game. I think something kind of happened on the Texas Tech side as far as, um, I'm not sure if it was COVID-related, but something happened on the administrative side. So sounds like RJ will be, you know, rescheduling that visit. So I expect him to come back in at some point. Um, so those are three, you know, or four, I guess, potential uh, visits that are all, you know, high four-star, um, even fringe five-star guys. Um, so keep an eye on those guys and then maybe even a few others that I haven't mentioned. But definitely it's getting to that time where these, these 2023 kids are going to start setting up their visits and kind of start making those cut lists. Um, and, and just kind of starting to narrow their options down. All right. There's Austin Massey from inside the com, And so, as usual, good stuff happening on the basketball recruiting trail. All right. When we come back, you know, Texas Tech, next game is uh, tomorrow, 11 o'clock against Kansas State on the road in Manhattan. And we'll be joined by the Kansas State play-by-play voice, Wyatt Thompson, to do some rockin' research next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd on 101.1. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beer. Sponsored by Fortenberry Roofing, Wiley Implements, and Hub City Body Shop. Rockin' Research. All right, we are joined by the play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, our friend Wyatt Thompson. Welcome back to the Rockin' Pregame Show. Well, thank you. Great to be with you, as always, sir. All right, so, uh, Wyatt, Kansas State led TCU most of the evening on Wednesday, only to fall behind in the second half. But the players defended Bruce Weber after the loss. What does that say about this team? Well, I think, honestly, a lot of pressure on Bruce Weber right now. He's been here 10 years. Uh, the last couple of years uh, have been really, really tough in league play. This would be the third straight time where they've started exceptionally slowly at 0-4. I, they're smart. You know, they, they, they read, they hear, they know kind of what's going on. And I think also the frustration because, to be blunt, they had a 57-52 lead with a minute 11 to go and found a way to lose as opposed to find a way to win. So that's in part why they, I think, defended Coach and said, hey, this one is on us, not on Coach Weber. Well, the Big 12 was a gauntlet. 
And it doesn't get easier for the Wildcats after an 0-4 start in Big 12 play. You have four top 20 opponents all in a row. How will playing in such a tough conference help these players for their future? Well, I, I think it gets them up each and every time. I, I think that was one other factor in the ball game that I think frustrated the fans a little bit. I, I don't think they sensed, or at least those that were in attendance uh, on, on Wednesday night, that K-State had what I will describe as the juice they needed out of the gate. TCU was quicker to the ball. They were diving on the floor, just had quite a bit more energy than K-State. But when you play teams like Texas Tech, when you play teams like Texas and Kansas and those types of teams, those guys follow that stuff, and they get they get excited to play teams that are ranked in the top 15 or top 10 or top 25, whatever it might be. And certainly that makes it a little bit easier. Harder to win games, but easier to get up for. Well, our friend Wyatt Thompson, voice of the Wildcats, joins us on the Rockin' pregame. How have Mark Smith and Marquez Newell made an impact on this team this year? Well, it's a great question. Let me start with Marquise. I think he has brought several things to the table. One, he's not very big, but the pluses are he's very, very quick. He can shoot the ball. He's a natural scorer, probably a better defender than everybody thought he might be. And he is capable of breaking down teams um, and kicking the ball when he gets into the paint. And that has made guys like Nigel Pack and others probably a little bit better shooters and with better looks. So I think that's the deal with him. You know, Mark Smith is a very intriguing player for me at 6'4 and 225 because for his size, I think numbers will, will back me up on this. He's the best rebounder in the Big 12. And that's a mouthful in a league that's this good for a 6'4 guy to do that. He had five rebounds in the first five minutes in the game against TCU. Uh, he just missed by one rebound his fifth double-double of the year uh, with ten points and nine boards. In addition to that, he just seems to be a very, very good teammate. He has said publicly here and very open, I wish I would have started my career at Kansas State. He likes these coaches. They have let him kind of do his thing, and he, to his credit, he has run with it. All right, so... What are some of the bright spots you've seen develop for this Kansas State team since last year? Better offensively, I guess, would be the first part. Um, and I think we've seen some of the younger guys who really went through a lot of head knocks, I will call it, uh, getting their butt kicked, whatever you want to say, last year. They know what to expect now, so, so there's that too. I, I think they have more pieces offensively. We didn't mention Ish Masood, but he's another transfer who's done a a really nice job having Mike McGurl back for his sixth and final season has helped, although he's missed the last couple with COVID protocols. And I have a sense that he'll be back for the game against the Red Raiders. So I just think there are more options. There's more versatility. I think there in the early part of the year, Coach Weber felt like this team could really, really be good defensively too. If they've fallen short a little bit, that's probably where I think they're ahead of where they were thinking they would be offensively, but maybe a little bit behind defensively. Who are the players who have disappeared for the Wildcats? I hate bringing these kind of things up, but I'm not picking on anyone, but Davion Bradford was fabulous at the end of last year. He started the final 25 games. Um, he's a big seven-foot kid who's really strong, has good hands and feet, but he came into the season not in very good shape. Then he contracted pneumonia. He's had COVID protocol issues. Um, it's just been a very, very tough 
sophomore season for him to this point. He's more than capable of being a lot better. And certainly, 8-7 and seven and 0-4 oh and is not all on his shoulders. But that's how I would answer your question. I, I think you have to start with Davion. He, and because, you know, everybody expected so much after the way he closed last season, people kind of forget as bad as last year was for K-State at 9-20 and 20 and 4-4 and four in the tournament, they took Baylor down to the final few moments. And we all know how good they were last year. Well, switching to football, after the convincing win in the Texas Bowl versus LSU, what's the future in Manhattan now that Skylar Thompson's administration has ended for Kansas State? (laughs) I love the way you put that, buddy. That's really pretty cool because it felt like that, didn't it? It felt like he was a two-term president, right? You know what? I'm going to miss Skylar. He's one of the more stand-up guys we've had in my 20 years here. A terrific kid, just got better and better, really cared, loves K-State. Where do they go from here? Well, I, I think it's a little bit up in the air, but I do know this. Um, like at your place, people are really excited for 2022. And I think a lot of it is because they have such a, a nice foundational base with guys like Deuce Vaughn, uh, some really good young talent uh, on the offensive side, including the offensive line. And then on defense, when you have uh, Khalid Dute, Duke back from injury and Felix Anudike Uzama, Daniel Green, those kind of guys back, Julius Brents, it gets you excited. As you know, you win in major college football and, and anywhere in football with, with a good quarterback, and K-State lost a good one. The question will be, is it going to be Adrian Martinez? Is it going to be Will Howard? Is it going to be Jake Rubley? And you and I will be talking about that all the way till we see the Red Raiders next fall. All right, well, with the Big 12 losing Texas and Oklahoma sometime between now and 2025, what do you see as the future of the Big 12, especially with the new teams coming in, and where do you think Kansas State fits in with that future? That's a good question, too. Uh, where does the Big 12 stand? Let's be honest and, and cut to it. I, I don't think you can lose the name and brand that is Oklahoma and or Texas and not feel it. Let's just be honest about that. You're not going to replace that. But with that said... I really think that the four teams that will take their place, so to speak, really bring a lot of things to the table. I'm familiar with BYU from years ago, back at at my time at Colorado State. Uh, They're a very consistent program with lots of money and and tradition, and you know they want to be competitive in all sports. I think they're a good fit. I think that's true also right now for Cincinnati and Houston. To me, the wild card would be Central Florida. They're in such a, a rich, fertile recruiting ground, you would think they would be able to compete. The question will not be how good will the league be in football and basketball because I think it will continue to be really good, minus Oklahoma and Texas, but I I think what happens with the TV deal and can we stay equal to or a little bit better, um, you know, money-wise for all of these schools. With with K-State's fit, I think it's probably going to be like it is now, highly competitive, difficult to compete they're going to have their times and and i just believe that will be the case but i think that's also true for baylor and i think that's true for texas tech and oklahoma state and teams like that that we've seen them do really good things before whether it's football or basketball and i think we will again well what are the keys to tomorrow's game well for k-state it better be bring some energy because mark has done such a great job with the red raiders you know he and i don't mean this this is going to sound really odd and i apologize ahead of time he's pieced together if you will uh through 
kids that stayed around and, and new players, he's pieced together a very good basketball team. That's complimentary, or at least meant to be. I love their toughness. I love their depth. What they're doing this also without Terrence Shannon, which which I just shake my head over that. You better bring energy because they will. They just don't quit. They they are a very very good defensive team. They're better offensively and have more weapons. I figured it up. I've got it on my chart. This group combined has like 80 career double doubles. That's good experience. That's great talent. It just is what it is. And what are your thoughts on Mark Adams leading the Red Raiders? I was looking at some of his stops and stuff, and it's just extraordinary, you know, where he's been and how much he's won. And I mean, the guy's won almost 600 freaking games. You don't, you, I don't care where you're at, whether it's, you know, Wayland Baptist or West Texas, it doesn't matter. They just, and he gets his kids to really compete. You know, you know this, but I love Kevin McCuller. We, we tried so hard to recruit Kevin McCuller, and, and I think it came down to he picked you guys over us, and that still stings because I, I love him. <laughs> well, it's our friend and one hell of a nice guy, Wyatt Thompson, voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. We'll see you early tomorrow in Manhattan. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sean. I always love being on with you, man. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. All right, there you go. Wyatt Thompson, voice of Kansas State. Where's game time tomorrow? It's uh, 11 o'clock, uh, early, yeah, an early start coming off of these, the grind that Tech has been on yeah. this week and have to get up and play an 11 o'clock game on the road. Yeah. Well, you hope that they do come out with the energy that they are known for. What, what, where, where, where can we watch that game, by the way? I know you guys love it's that question. ESPN 2. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. Okay. All right. And I'll tell you next Tuesday's game, Iowa State, 8 p.m., ESPN U. Yes. All yes. right. Boy, All these people eight. like, I hate plus. Well, there's baseball. There's a lot on there. If you're a fan, you probably need to get it. But you know, there's just so much more on all of that these days. And then, you know, we're going to talk a little bit later, I guess, about baseball. But, you know, like that State Farm uh, Classic comes up in Arlington that Tech's going to play. And that thing's on, was that Flow Sports or whatever? Oh, yeah. That's, man. You, can't, you cannot subscribe to enough stuff to cover. You're right. It's almost like days. blackmail. Like, you know, it's like... $80 to sign up and get that for that whole, just yeah. that tournament, you know? Yeah, and the yeah. Lady Raiders earlier this year went and played in Florida. That was on Flow Hoops, yeah. and we couldn't get that. Remember that, that Jamaica, you know, that once every four years they can go, yes. you know, an international trip or a summer trip, and they did that, too, and it was terrible. It was like, man, it was garbage that, production. Who, who, I mean, I don't know. They got all of it, Flow Hoops, it, Flow Wrestling. It, it just seems like, uh, especially with this, this baseball tournament, with the, the teams yeah. that they get for that, that that would be more of a draw where it could be on an actual network somewhere other than, right? you know, just some obscure be nice if it was on ESPN thing, you know? Plus. I would right. take that. Oh, yeah. Flow. Yeah, I've actually gotten to where uh, I, you know, ESPN Plus, I'm, I'm cool with that now. I've got all set up on my TV now. I never listen to now, the call of the game anyways if I'm watching, to be honest. I always yeah. put music on or just have silence. Yeah. Rather than listen, unless it's somebody I like, you know yeah. what I mean, which is rare. And you're a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. What do we got coming up next here? Red Raider basketball. So, yeah, we'll talk more about, uh, well, first of all, you know, just about the game coming up tomorrow against Kansas State, but also just recap an incredible week of oh. Texas Tech basketball. I mean, what a grind, but, man, they have responded, and uh, I don't mind reliving that at all. So we'll do that coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame, live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd on 101.1. The this is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame.
on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Mitch Hall Chevrolet, Chrome, and Hook and Reel. Texas Tech Basketball. All right, yeah, lots to uh, get to Texas Tech basketball after an amazing week. But uh, I want to mention, you know, we were just talking about some of this stuff that, you know, these days there's games on so many different things. And if you're somebody at home trying to subscribe to 100 different services, I mean, it's it's almost impossible to keep up with. But there's some good news here because, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, where we're doing the Rock and Pregame show now this year, they've got all this covered for you, really. So if you don't have Flow Sports, then uh, you know you don't you don't have to worry about that because they they've they've got all of it here at Buffalo Wild Wings. I mean ESPN Plus if you don't have that, uh, Texas Tech TV, Flow Sports, all available at Buffalo Wild Wings. So and that's uh, all that's, the locations, right? Yeah, all the locations. Yeah, so that's just awesome. Go to so which you're not going to pay convenient. for cable. You're going to come pay for food and drink. That's going to that's be great. right, man. For wings and beer, it sounds pretty Heck good. To yeah, me. come hang out at Buffalo Wild Wings. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows that. Uh, because uh, it, it is, it's it's frustrating. I don't know how many times have you ever done that oh, where yeah. you, you know you see you go, oh, it's on Flow Sport. I don't have that. And <laughs> well, then, you know, and it's just like, man, that's another password I got to keep up with. I don't want to do that, <laughs> man. That's how lazy I am. I'll be honest. Man. I have, I know people who like don't want to give me more money to ES like to Disney. You know what right, I mean? So right. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, well, you're going to miss the game. I'm like, well, so you end up having to call. Like, do you have ESPN Plus? And you talk to somebody. Like, I don't know what's ESPN Plus. Right. You know, yeah, like, ah, yeah. are you going to have the game? We think we are. Well, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, they're going to have a game. Yeah, so that is that that right there is a load off. I feel more relaxed than I did five minutes ago just knowing that. You know? <laughs> so uh, come check out the games here at Buffalo Wild Wings. All right, so uh, Texas Tech plays tomorrow at 11 o'clock. They're in Manhattan uh, playing Kansas State tomorrow. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's going to be one of those tough games to where, yeah, 11 o'clock start after the grind of this week, three grueling games. And, I mean, just, you know, with the day off in between. So, I mean, the, the team's got to be, even though they're 20, 22 years old, that still no. takes a toll. And I think you saw a little bit of it in the second half last night where they, you know, they got up big, but the got some sloppy play going late in the second half. And I think some of that probably comes down to a little bit of fatigue. So, you yeah. know, that could be an issue tomorrow. We'll definitely see. some of that. You know, Kansas State, they got to be fatigued too. I mean, they've been facing a similar grind. But the interesting thing between these two teams is, so they could not be on further ends of the spectrum. I mean, Tech right now looks like the best team in the country. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, they look like the best team in the country. Kansas State, uh, like our, our, our friend uh, Mr. Wyatt just said, you know, they're losing games they should win right now. You know, they're finding ways to lose. Yeah. So they're they're hungry. I mean, they're 0-4 in Big 12. I mean, basically, Bruce Weber, who's a very good coach, I mean, he just had them, what, uh, you know, share the Big 12 title with Tech and make a deep run, at least lead eight, if not final four run uh, in, in, you know, last five years or so. Uh, so he's a good coach, but the last two or three years, they've been at the bottom of the Big 12. So I don't know how much time he has left, especially with his 0-4 start. They are hungry. So in Tech... They've been focused. I mean, it's hard for me to criticize almost anything after, you know, the win over Kansas, the win over Baylor, and then that convincing win over Oklahoma State yeah. last night. I mean, it sure seems like they're focused and sharp, but if there would be a letdown game in a situation, you would think it would be Saturday, 11 a.m. in Manhattan, Kansas. But plus, yeah, really. But plus, Tech isn't sneaking up on anybody now. No. I mean, you know, they're clearly on everybody's radar, and it's one. It's going to be one of those games that 
the fans are going to be up for the player. I mean, you know, it's you're you got to bring your A game every time now because everybody's going to be going to be ready for you. Absolutely. Well, in the last seven games, Tech's gone five and two. They lost to Gonzaga and they lost to Iowa State with with seven players. But uh, and tomorrow, there too, right and there, that's, and, and they almost won that game yeah. too. Uh, tomorrow, they get the leading scorer back. Terrence Shannon has tweeted out uh, in the last couple hours: "Can't keep an animal in a cage for too long." Back with the gang tomorrow. So, what do you think that means? Well, Is that gonna, uh, you know, somebody's going to lose playing time. That's another, and probably the most, other than just the success, interesting storylines with this team right now because you can't not want your best player. Uh, right. all, I mean, he was a preseason first team All Big 12 selection for a reason. He's probably the most athletic guy on your team. He's the highest guy in terms of rated as a NBA draft prospect. And he's a selfless player. We're not talking about a selfish player. We're talking about a guy who volunteered to be a six-man last year to, yeah. to help out the team. He takes as many charges as anybody not named Davion Warren. And, you know, I, he's just a really likable, good dude. But um, at the same time, who who's, who's going to lose minutes like Pete was alluding to? Who's not going to have the ball in his hands? Because I tell you what, Adonis Arms having the ball in his hands, Clarence Nadalny playing heavier minutes on both ends of the court, you know, what he brings – are good things for this team. Yeah. I think those are two of the biggest recipes for why Tech has had so much success during the stretch. You bring Shannon in, I mean, you can only play five guys at a time. They've been playing two bigs to great success on both defense and in terms of, you know, on the glass, dominating the, uh, the rebounding margin. So this is another challenge for Coach Adams, and I know he's very experienced, but this is an interesting, unique challenge to have this glutton of – of talent and and height and athleticism. What do you do now that Shannon comes back? And and it's interesting too. I've been thinking about you know, a couple things about about Shannon. But first of all, when you're a guy who has been you know the known as the best yeah, guy on the yeah. team, and you're sitting on the bench now injured, and you're seeing the team have this kind of success, what does that do just mentally? As a you know, you're happy for your team, but there can't there has to be a little bit of self doubt in there of like, dang man, what if? I hope when I go in, I don't, you know, and I just think that's an interesting part of this as well. And then also, uh, you're talking about a selfless player. Let's, let's not watch that game. Several times, there, you know, you talk about a guy, he's, he's on the bench, he's clearly not going to play, but how engaged he was in the mm -hmm. game. There would be several times I saw uh, Coach Perry come down to the end of the bench there, and, and Shannon would be, you know, pointing out the court and showing, you know, you could tell he was talking about things that he was seeing happening. And, you know, almost being like a another coach, you yeah. know, and I just yeah. thought that was really cool because he could have, you know, just sat down there thinking, ah, well, nothing, you know, but he was very engaged and to the point of even trying to help the coaching staff with, you know, feedback on some things he was seeing. I thought that was pretty cool. Perhaps a different player on a different team I'd be concerned about. Yeah. ego and all that stuff but we already talked about how selfless shane is i mean giving up a starting spot in this day and age people oh, don't do yeah. that you know yeah. he's giving up his body and i think that might have to do with why he's been injured because he selflessly has given up his body i don't know how many charges he's taken but it's among the most in the last three years uh and then this team kevin mcculler said it in an interview on the court there in waco after upsetting baylor this is the closest team he's ever been on they're like that off the court just like they are on the court i just my biggest concern is more of like X's and O's on the like physically on the yeah. court more than any kind of chemistry mm -hmm. off the court, like any yeah. bad blood or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Well, and you can see uh, just how much they love uh, Mark Adams oh, yeah. too. I mean, when these guys hug, I mean, you can tell, man. 
they, I mean, they just love each other, and they are tight. And, uh, you know, we got to talk uh, here from Mark Adams last night, and first he talked about, uh, you know, getting the win and, and what could have been a letdown beating uh, Oklahoma State last night. Excited we got off to a great start, and I think that was luck because we had a great fan base. Students were back. Guys were pumped, and and uh, they, they got off to an unbelievable start. But, uh, you know, we lacked some little maturity there. Then as we probably are looking around, you know, we know that Oak, Oak State was going to come back, and they did. And, and uh, we just got to be able to, um, you know, to, to have the maturity to go ahead and, and make those big runs and at least keep our defense going to, so we can – uh, at least maintain that lead. So it's, it's something we will talk about. It's probably the only negative thing about tonight's game. We just didn't keep that early lead. But I was proud of these guys fighting back there several times that um, Oak State came back within the game. It seemed like somebody on this team made big plays. It was either Adonis or uh, making a shot or two or, or Bryson or K.O. Or, but we just had that. So I thought it was a great team effort. Man, Marcus Santos Silva was big last night. Yeah. Ten points, ten rebounds. And, you know, we were talking about who's going to lose minutes now. And, and Mark Adams talked about last night managing minutes. Well, I wish I'd really given, uh, you know, uh, Kevin McCullough less minutes. He was at 29. He was so tired, so proud of him. He had four assists, got us going and started the game, was playing so well. And then just um, he was out there just as a facilitator. But made a lot of big defensive players he we're so much better with him on the floor and you know he was in a little bit of pain at the end of the game so we don't want him to rest but yeah it was i thought it was good that everybody got minutes and i was so proud of guys like buzo got in the game dove on the floor and uh, malik took a charge that uh, we shocked all of us but um, you know i was proud of him doing that and daniel came in and shows what you know why we ought to be playing Daniel Moore. He's blocking shots and playing aggressive, and so I was proud of those guys. You know, it's interesting with talking about how tired McCuller was and being banged up with that ankle and everything. Maybe Shannon coming back tomorrow, it, it might afford the opportunity for McCuller to get less minutes and, you know, maybe get a little bit of, bit of rest and maybe a little bit of relief on that ankle. So that, that, that actually, you know, could work out good tomorrow, perhaps. Absolutely. And then Adams talked about just the role definition for this team. You know, we'd like to think so, but uh, our, our roles are changed. But, but some guys know that, uh, like a guy like Marcus knows that he's got to get out there and produce on defense, uh, be our energy guy. Clarence is the same way. Uh, and then we got we have guys uh, like uh, Kevin uh, McCullough knows he's got to be the guy that leads the team. So, and, and Bryson is stepping in that scoring role more, and and uh, and his defense is getting better. He commented <clears throat> after the game that Coach our. Our defense is going to continue to improve. He's challenged to do that. So it's fun to hear those type of things. I think the greatest thing, these guys seem to be so happy when, when the teammates uh, has some success. There's no jealousy. Um, guys all like each other and get along. That's the fun part about coaching these guys. And uh, we, as we mentioned, uh, Terrence Shannon mentioning on social media, he's ready. He's going to be playing tomorrow. Uh, Adams talked about Shannon last night. Yeah, I was hoping he'd st stick around for the game. But uh, he's getting close. Uh, he, he did go through warm-up, and, and, you know, we'd love to get him back for the K-State game. Uh, he's getting, he's, he's uh, in that mindset, and, and, and his physically he's getting, I think, maybe a few more days, and he'll be ready to go. And Shannon says he's ready to go tomorrow. And then uh, we mentioned Marcus Santos Silva coming off the bench, 10 points, 10 rebounds. He was a spark as well last night. Adams talked about him. You know, you look back, him being a starter all last year and have to kind of change that role. But Marcus wants to win. He loves winning and loves his teammates. And, 
he's a guy that you love to coach. Always got a smile on his face and just uh, wants to get out there and compete. And then uh, here's Adams on taking on Kansas State tomorrow, a team that's 0-4 in the Big 12. Well, I saw them play uh, against TCU last night, and they play so hard. They're very well coached, and and they've got a couple of really good three-point shooters, and we know the three-point line kind of um, has this way of uh, being an equalizer, so we've got to be a, make sure we're out and contend those shots. But, but they have a lot of movement, so we're going to have to be ready to – to guard them for 40 minutes and everybody because they're just constantly moving and and uh, passing the ball so it'll be a challenge for us well hopefully we can wake up and be ready to play at 11 in the morning well the crowd was huge last night and i remember i mean it's probably two or three years ago when john calipari and kentucky came in and afterwards he talked about man this crowd is unbelievable and that, i mean that just it, it meant a lot to our community because you know these we have a, a great crowd here, and of course, last night Oklahoma State's coach uh, gave credit to the crowd as well. Um, not my first venture in the supermarkets arena. I've uh, I've seen you know, those teams get on runs, and uh, you know I knew it would be a great environment in here tonight. Um, and the, the crowd did a great job of feeding energy to the team, and the team did a good job of taking advantage of that energy in the building. And um, I was proud of our guys for not losing their composure early. Um, and fighting back to, you know, get the game in, in, in the balance. But, again, they responded like really good teams do. Um, they weren't phased by our run. They, they made another run of their own and created some distance. Um, but, again, tonight is about just them playing well on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, you always worry about a team that you watch on film and know have good shooters who come into a game having not shot particularly well. And they hadn't shot the ball from three. Well, I think they had only made 11 total threes in their three conference games coming into today. And they make eight in the first half. Um, and you look and say we did a better job in the second half, but they didn't need threes in the second half. They need to go in the paint and draw fouls and, you know, make us pay. So they did what good teams do, well-coached teams and teams that uh, obviously have a lot of confidence. So, again, credit to them. And then finally, uh, Marcus Santos Silva talked about how he's getting court time. Just – doing what I can to get uh, bring to help the team and play and that's me playing on the defensive end that's my focus every game uh in the non-conference I I I was on the bench and I get playing a lot and I just saw like I uh, from Bacho who's a who's a freshman and how he was playing I talked to coach and he's like see Bacho's on the court playing he gets on playing defense and he kept on telling me if you play you play defense like the guy I know you can you're going to play so I just been having that mentality not uh not uh, thinking everything's guaranteed for me here, so just always just working for everything. And then when I get in the game, I know that he wants me to be one of the best defenders on the team, and then I know that's where I'm, I'm how I'm going to get on the court and play. So I've just been locking in mostly on defense. That's interesting because, yeah, if you, don't, if you don't play defense, Mark Adams, you're probably not going to play. Yeah. yeah, it's very simple. Which I wonder if, you know, because, you know, we don't see a lot of Agbo. And what is that? Is that some kind of thing, just defensively, or is it just he's just not simply? It's just, just simply a really not as good as other guys. Yeah, yeah that's it. it. I mean, Agbo's good, but no, I mean those other guys. I mean, look at the guys uh, again. Go back to what uh, Mr. Wyatt said, the Kansas State play-by-play guy. How many guys on this team transferred in that you know averaged a double-double? I mean, Davion Warren averaged 20 points a game last year for a Division One school. Yeah. You know, and he's what? The fourth or fifth leading scorer on the team? Right. I mean, yeah. so there's yeah. just, this is a really deep team. That's why we were freaking out when they were recruiting all these guys and assembling this team. And, like, you know, if they can put everything together, this is going to be yeah. one heck of a team. And 
I, you know, I hope Agbo at some point, you know, maybe it's be like old school where his junior and senior years where he really becomes a big part of, of the of the team. Yeah. Right now, it's just tough to get on the court. Yeah. That's why Sardar Calhoun left because he's like, right, I'm not going to yeah. play in front of these guys. I'm just not. Even with McCullough and uh, Shannon out, I'm having a hard time getting on the court because there's just so many good players on this team right now. And, and Allen doesn't get in much, but yeah. when he gets in, he gets, you know, a hoop here and there. Yeah. Give it at the Juco year, though, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. a year to adjust and see what he does next year. Well, it's, it's great to see what uh, Mark Adams, again, you know, just seeing what he's done with the chemistry of the team and how he's u- utilizing all these players who, you know, guys being used to being the guy on their team, the guys that transferred in, and now now a lot of them, have, you know, they're role players, but they've all seemed to at one time or another had their moment. But to sit there and manage egos and that much talent and everything and assemble it into a winning team effort like that, that is, that is not easy in today's, uh, today's environment. And I know? think so, one of the best things about all this success is like, it's not like they've peaked yet. Yeah. Uh, even Mike Boynton just mentioned, I mean, Tech had only made 11 threes in the previous Big 12 games. I mean, they're not exactly lighting it up or anything. It's not like they've right. just been hot from three, and that's what's happening. Kevin O'Banner hasn't been close to what he was last year up until recently. He had right. a great game last night. And then Bryson Williams is just now really becoming or being the guy we thought that, that he was going to yeah. be. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of room for growth with this team still. All right. Well, uh, we come back here. We're going to talk some Lady Raiders, get an update on uh, their week. And uh, also a little bit of uh, track, too. You know, Texas Tech's track uh, team is uh, one of the best in the nation every year. And uh, we'll probably hear uh, from Coach Kitley as well about how excited he is to have uh, his son, Zach, uh, back in Lubbock as the new offensive coordinator for Texas Tech. So that is all coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd. Uh, it's on 101 point. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Pete's Tire and Service in Ropesville and South Plains College. Lady Raider Basketball. Time to talk a little Lady Raider Basketball. Man, uh, they were so high after beating then number nine Texas and now... Uh, a couple tough back-to-back losses. Uh, they lose to Oklahoma State. They battled back and uh, lost 57-55. And then uh, Wednesday night on the road at West Virginia, uh, they battle back again. They're up by one going into the fourth. And then West Virginia, you know, causes some turnovers. And, uh, man, they go on to win it 64-53. So, um, man, the Lady Raiders sit right now eight and seven overall, one and three in conference. And that lone win, man, what a big win over Texas. But they haven't been able to sustain it. And now uh, they get another chance tomorrow. Uh, just like the men, they're playing Kansas State. Kansas State on the women's basketball side is ranked number 25. The game, 2 o'clock tomorrow uh, at the United Supermarkets Arena. It is on ESPN+. Plus. Okay. And uh, you know they they got to get back to their to the, you know to to win in here and you know Jeff I know we we talked about man hopefully they can get NIT or maybe NCAA but you know, now you're eight and seven yeah you, you got to start winning some of these games yeah I know it seems like they're they're it's like they're right there you know that yes. win over Texas you thought all right here they go but it just but again it's a testament of how hard it is to win in the Big Twelve certainly but they do seem like they're. You know, they're just right there and being in those games at the end like that and, right. you know, just not being able to close it. But but it does look like they're close. 
Well, and they got a lot of tough games coming up. So, uh, you know, you got to win at home. You're taking on another ranked team. So uh, hopefully they can get it done tomorrow and, uh, you know, get their second Big 12 win. But the game, again, 2 o'clock, uh, number 25, Kansas State, in town tomorrow. Uh, Texas Tech trying to get back to, to their winning ways. All right. Uh, so that's Lady Raiders. And then Red Raider track, you know, I tell you what, they don't get a lot of love. But, uh, but man, what a, an incredible track program. Uh, for Texas Tech and uh, Coach Kitley and the, the job that uh, that he does. Yeah, and uh, today, uh, 3.30, get started over at the Sports Performance Center, uh, Corky Classic. Here we are, uh, back to some, some indoor track. And, uh, man, they got a lot of great uh, meets coming up. But uh, here we get started today. And uh, we talked to national champion Ruth Osora, and she talked about the excitement of the progress that her teammates have made in the off season that they're going to get to showcase today and tomorrow at the Sports Performance Center. I'm super excited. If I say excited, it's like an understatement because I get to see my beautiful teammate doing crazy things <laughs> um, a practice. And I'm like, whoa, you couldn't do, I couldn't do that last year, but see you right now. So I'm just ready to go cheer them on and just make them know that they've progressed so much that even if they're not where they want to be, there's actually a progress. They were not where they, they're not where they used to be. So I'm just excited. Aside from being excited for myself, I'm excited for them because they've put in so much work, and I can't wait to see how much they've grown. Man, you can hear her, no doubt about yeah, it. Cool. And then we talked to Wes Kitley, and uh, he talked about Ruth. Uh, she's our Joey McGuire, you know. She, uh, she's our leader, and uh, she loves to, uh, to show a lot of excitement, and she has a lot of passion. And so she's just, I mean, it's immeasurable what she brings to our team, uh, both men and women. And everyone respects her so much and the, her work ethic and the human being that she is. And uh, it's just infectious and it's incredible. And uh, I think she's going to lead this team really well. And then Kitley talked about uh, just the makeup of his team as they enter this uh, season. Well, one thing on our women's side, we, we are loaded. Ruth just talked to you, but with a national champion and then a third place coming behind her in the nation and then we've got we've got a really good long a group of horizontal and vertical jumpers they're going to be big for this team i mean they're going to score a lot of points they're going to score a lot of points conference going to score a lot of points nationally uh but we're well-rounded and i mean we've got good sprinters we've got good hurdlers we've got good middle distance uh, the only thing we're not just you know fabulous at or a lot of depth at is long distance so i feel like we're the we're well-rounded team we've got great throwers uh, we, we really are, are just spread out. And if you go to the men's side, we're, we're almost the same way. I mean, we really have somebody good in every event. And I think that's how you win the Big 12, and that's how, that's how we won the national championship in 19. We had 18 people spread out on a lot of the different events. And that's my philosophy, and that's what I try to do. Well, and there might be a little more pep in the step for Wes Kitley. Uh, his son, Zach, uh, recently named the new offensive coordinator for Red Raider football. And Wes talked about his son coming home to coach for the Red Raiders. Oh, to have my son be back home to the place that he loves and for he and I to be able to coach together, in a sense, at the same university, I mean, it's just second to none. I mean, it's just one of my proudest moments. And it's so special that he's going to be right, you know, across the hall in a sense. Now, he's coaching football and I'm track. But, uh, you know, to, to have some special memories that we're going to, I mean, we, we shared at Christmas, said, hey, let's go make some special memories. You never know how these things are going to last. But I'm uh, just so, so proud of him and so thrilled to bring him home. 
Yeah, how cool. That's awesome. So Corky Classic starts 3.30 today. And I just want to mention, you know, I've had Wes Kitley come and speak at my monthly lunch. Uh, we're kicking off year five next Wednesday. We've got the meat judging coach of Texas Tech. Yes! 16-time national champs. Uh, Dr. Mark Miller is going to be speaking. Come join us, 1130, 85-17, Urbana. It's the, uh, the uh, fireman's professional hall and you know i'm hoping to get coach mcguire this year and i'm also hoping to get zach kitley so we we meet once a month men and women come on out and join us food fun fellowship faith uh next wednesday the first one dr mark miller the alabama of meat judging is texas tech national champs all the time all right very good all right and coming up next here one final segment here it is the full court press three questions no hedging of course always a good reminder don't even be thinking about it and uh, that is next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame, uh, live from Buffalo Wild Wings. We're on uh, the West 82nd location today, and uh, some wings are being housed as we speak. I don't know if you've noticed how quiet Jared has become the last segment, but uh, someone's eating lots of wings yes. right now, putting on a clinic, and uh, they, they look amazing, He's by the, the way. King. Man, and they're hot, man. You're, like, breaking out in a sweat here, man. It's... What, what what flavor is that? Man, my eye sockets start sweating. I got the Nashville hot going, man. It's, Ooh, it's man. good. You know, and normally like that's not like too hot for me, but you know, tongues tingling, the eye sockets are sweating, so that's how I know they're hot. I can but. feel the heat coming off of you, <laughs> man. That's hot. All right, well, uh, y'all, man, the wings are amazing at Buffalo Wild Wings. And don't forget, they got all the games all the time. If you don't have, when a game is on like ESPN Plus or Flow Sports or any of that stuff and you don't have those subscriptions, just know you can always catch the games at all the locations of Buffalo Wild Wings. So, yeah, we're at the uh, West 82nd location today. But uh, more still to come here on the Rockin' Pregame on 101.1.